What's better, guys? Trust y'all are doing great and amazing. Welcome to the show with your homegirl, Shalom. Two weeks ago, I decided to go live on a mixed layer application used for live broadcasts. I'm not sure I got the pronunciation well, but I'm going to put out the spelling. And that is M-I-X-L-R. M-I-X-L-R. So, and... The topic I talked about on that live show was God and deadlines. But for those who could not get it and who could not have the opportunity to listen to it, I'm going to do it again. God and deadlines. So after checking out um, the pros and the cons, the positives and the negatives about that application, I decided I'm going to just stick to Anchor until I find uh, another application better and well efficient for me personally. So today I want to talk about God and deadlines, God and deadlines, you know, and, um, before, before coming on air, I decided to do quite a lot of research and, um, the question I want to throw out there is, do we really set expectations for God? I mean, Is it possible to set a deadline for God, just like we do for human beings? So follow me. I would like to speak for a while and orbit around this topic, God and deadlines. A deadline, according to the dictionary, is the latest time or date by which something should be completed. It is a set date and time for an assignment. Hmm. And now, 2 Peter 3.8, this is the New Living Translation. It says, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. And Proverbs 16.9 says, we can make plans, but God determines our steps. And it also says here, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his path. This is the King James Version. So dealing with God's not yet, how do you deal with God's not yet? Because when we set deadlines for God, does it really hold? If you check out John 11, 1 to 15, 1 through 15, you could, you would see that when Lazarus talked about the story of Lazarus and he was sick to death and, you know, dying and word came to Jesus and he was told that, oh, your friend, and this is a home. You re- remember that Bethany was a place that Christ frequented often. Like it was, that was like his earthly home. That place was like his home. That was where he loved to visit. And it was just common knowledge to everyone living at the time that Jesus loved frequenting that home. So he was told. I mean, master, your friend is sick. And then he said, okay. Day one, he didn't go to Bethany. Day two, he didn't go until very late. I think maybe the second or the third day. And by the time he got there, it was Martha that met him on the way. And she said, oh, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. We all know the story. But my point is, how do you deal with God's not yet? Because usually when you set deadlines for God, it usually exceeds our expectations. God doesn't work with our deadlines. 
So I'll continue. Do you really? Can it? You set a deadline for God. I believe that God does answer prayers, but not in the way that we want it usually. When we pray, we are taught to finish with your will be done. Now, sidebar for anyone listening to me and under the sound of my voice. When you're asking God for his will, because a lot of us don't ask for his will, but if you decide to ask for his, his will, God has a perfect and divine will and God has a permissive will. So you have to be, you know, you have to put it out there to him. I want your divine and perfect will and not your permissive will because usually his permissive will comes with a price. Same with the divine will though, but it's just that it's better to stick with his divine and perfect will. And I believe that there is a time factor attached to many, if not everything that we do on earth. Now, in the professional world, especially in mainstream media, the phrase deadline or you are dead (laughs) has been coined, you know, emphasizing the importance of working within deadlines. But that is between men. How about between man and God? Do you actually set deadlines for God? You know, we describe God as healer. I was talking to someone some time ago and, and I was saying, If I ask you to describe who God is to you personally, or everyone here to describe who God is to them personally, everyone has that, oh my God, he's a healer because he healed me of cancer. Someone else will say, oh my God, he's a way maker. I mean, he did this for me, he he opened doors for me that I never thought existed. Someone else will say he's a promise keeper, an all-sufficient savior. Another person would describe him as an amazing attorney who keeps making my case dismissed, you know. But I think that the description of God that a lot of us forget is that our God is a God of intentionality. I'm sure you all have heard the Travis, Travis Green song, you know, and it's, it's more than a song. It's really more than a song. It's more than our God is intentional. It's real because that part of God that a lot of us are not used to is that God is a God of intentionality and purposefulness. Meaning, for example, you might have been praying for something in your life. It could be a husband. It could be a wife. It could be a job. It could be anything. Anything. But He's being intentional also lays in the fact that when he's doing nothing, he's doing nothing on purpose. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm going to say it again. When God is doing nothing, like you feel he's not doing anything at all. And sometimes he does nothing at all. That nothing is on purpose. And a few weeks ago, I remember I did a podcast on the crossroad of destiny, talking about how you have to know who you are and dis- discover why you were cosmically created and put on earth, you know, and um, it's tied to where you come from, who you are in him, your identity, your identity. I keep telling people shouldn't be in the material possessions that you have. A very good example of that is the story of Job in the Bible, you know, who you are when you discover that that is your self power 
and that cannot be taken away from you, not even by the devil. Nobody can take away that self-power away from you because it's not something the devil can touch. And that's true. And that's why if you look at the story of Job, everything was taken away from him in a day. But one thing could not be taken away from him, from him. And that's the fact that there was just something inside of him that knew that there is a God and he's mindful of me. I can't explain what's going on in my life right now. And I, th- I don't know who is listening to me under the sound of my voice. I think, oh, this is so, this is terrible. I mean, everything I'm seeing, the, the, the future looks bleak. I can't see anything, especially in this current situation that the world is. I mean, wherever you are listening to me, whether it's uh, here in Africa, in Nigeria, or wherever you are, Canada, America, wherever you are, if you look at the way things are going, it's very, very easy to say, you know what? I give up. But I usually would say, what if we had no God and we all just found ourselves here? What would you have done? Like there's nobody to cry to, nobody to talk to. It's just like all of us are here and it's just like one day everything is just going to, you know, collapse and that's all. But for the fact that we have a God, I think it's actually a very liberating experience. So continuing, I will say that a part of God that we don't know and we don't, we usually, we have not experienced it is the fact that our God is a God of intentionality and you cannot set expectations for God because he always, listen, he always, always exceeds our expectations. And that's why I said God and deadlines. Does God actually meet our deadlines? You know, because he always exceeds our expectations. And that is why you cannot place a deadline on God because he's a God that operates within and with purposefulness, like I earlier mentioned, which is why it's so important again to know your purpose because every single person on earth has a purpose. So there are over or oh, about 7.8 billion people on the face of planet earth. And each of them has a customized fingerprint given to them by the one who made us so that's that's by god even twins and triplets and quadruplets do not have the same personality and that's true so even twins and triplets have a customized fingerprint why i'm saying that is you are there's no two persons like you on the face of the earth and that is why you are unique your fingerprint someone else cannot use your fingerprint and you cannot use someone else's fingerprint. That's how unique you are. So in your life, what are you imprinting on? In the lives of people, with the people that you meet, the people that you come across, the, the places that you go, what are you imprinting on? Who are you imprinting on? You know, they say we leave footprints on the sands of time, but I'm saying today it's not just on the sands of time. They are handprints too. In the hearts of people, how do people see you as a blessing or as an, as I know, you know, and continuing, I will say that everything ends up attractive when you don't live a life of purpose. And that's why when you do not know your purpose, everything you see 
attracts you stuff that wouldn't attract you on a normal day would attract you and please listen to me please listen when a man or woman is walking in life through life hungry not just for food for the stomach now when a man or woman a boy or a girl is walking through life hungry everything looks attractive and you earn you end up selling your birthright for stew just like Esau did you end up eating trash stuff that won't entice you on a normal day in your sane mind would entice you and you'll be wondering why am i why am i in this place how did i even find myself here yeah you're hungry and until you find why you were created which also tells where you come from it's gonna be a problem and that's why I said you end up eating trash. So he's the God of purpose. And until you discover your home of assignment, your house of calling. Wow, I love this. Life won't be meaningful. Until you discover your home of assignment, your house of calling, life will not be meaningful. So talking of or speaking of intentionality about god right now there is no big bang anywhere like culture will tell you or scientists will tell you there is no big bang a cosmic collision or coincidence or accident with god he's an intentional god this means like he said that when he does something he's doing something on purpose and when he does nothing at all that nothing is doing it's because he's doing nothing on purpose so we serve a progressive god we serve a progressive god a god of acceleration not of speed a god of behind the scenes a god of space of time he loved taking his time and that was why i read from the new living translation a day before the lord is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day before him God doesn't rush. We human beings are the ones that are always in a hurry until we enter our graves. And that's the pure truth. And that's why if you really want to see God and know his face, you have to slow it down. Because culture will tell you, you know what? You got to grind. You got to get the money. Get all the bread. Get all the cash. Get all the bucks. But bro, sis, listen to me under the sound of my voice. If you want to know who God is, He's always behind closed doors. You have to shut in with him. It's an intimacy. Everywhere Christ expounded the mysteries of the kingdom to his disciples. Check it out in the word. It's always behind closed doors. He never invited. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, this, this, this got me tripping. Because in my mind and my heart, I was like, whoa, I'm tripping. Because Christ loves secrecy too. He doesn't love the noise. I'm not talking worship now because wherever Christ is, wherever God is, when it comes to worship, there is worship. There's no silence. But I'm talking about when he wants to show you something, expound something to you like a lover, like lovers, like a man who wants to just talk to his woman or a woman who wants to talk to a man. It's intimacy. It's an affair. Same thing with God. It's an affair of the soul. And so I said that we serve a God of acceleration, not of speed. 
And that's why even when God does nothing, it's because he's up to something. You know, personally, I will share this and put this out for anyone listening to me that when you get worried, this happened to me personally, when you get worried so much, and I think that 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 is part of the condition that we inherited from the fall. When we get so worried about things, about issues, it's not because we haven't prayed. I mean, I'm talking to those that have prayed through and then you find yourself worrying. But each time you find yourself worrying, what you're telling God is, you know what? I didn't trust you enough to take care of this for me. And so I'm going to do it for myself. And the next thing I find him asking me was, so you're worrying, how far has it helped you? Because worrying births different kind of things. You get so worried, you get a stomach ulcer. You get so worried, you get a headache, a migraine. You get so worried, you develop anxiety for nothing, panic attacks. You begin to hyperventilate for what? When there is a God who is very, very mindful of you and is very interested in every teeny bitty detail that has to do with you. And I think that when we worry, it's a sign. Sometimes God allows us to go through these phases so that we can know that our trust level is down. It's nowhere. And until we learn to trust him in situations that don't even make sense, because I do not believe that we were called to understand we were called to believe. And until we get there, it's going to be a long day. So continuing, I would also love to say that. So how about how about your deadline with God? With everything I've said, do we still set deadlines for God? Now, if you ever give God a deadline and he meets that deadline, it's not because of the deadline you gave him. Maybe he just decides to honor that prayer or your heart is aligning with his. And I would like to always say, if you do not know God devotionally, you can never know him directionally. And that's why that prayer or that wish people, you know, give out to people on birthdays or uh, may God grant you all your heart desires. That's not a good prayer. Well, personally, because I feel that man's desires our heart is sinful our desires are always sinful so if god is gonna grant you all your heart desires all my heart desires it's gonna help me sin so until my heart aligns with his heart until my heart my will begins to align with his will then it's a lost cause it's just gonna be seen all through so and um, I would also would always say also say that anytime you find yourself praying about something and it's not coming through or coming forth, it's not because God didn't hear you. It might be that He's stretching you to your core to test your patience. Sidebar for anyone listening to me. And I would say that if you want to walk with God, you should learn to be content. You should decide to be content with unanswered unanswered questions. God is not always going to explain the whys to you. He's not always going to explain the reason why he called you to do this. No. I saw someone sometime that he would ask you, he would tell you, God will sometimes tell you, you know what? 
you're gonna go on this journey but he's not gonna tell you the route the route he's not gonna tell you the route you're gonna go through he's gonna tell you you will go on the journey but if he tells you the route that you go through he knows you get tired he knows you'll be scared so he's not gonna tell you so he's gonna believe that you trust him enough so that he can take you through and so i would also like to say that god is never idle heaven is never idle and that's why we all have to find something doing because anyone who is idle can easily be a tool for the devil nothing catches him off guard <laughs> you think that friend of yours did something bad to you oh my god we've been friends for years and i didn't know she had such hard to it to me he didn't catch god by surprise Sometimes God removes people from our lives without telling us and we trying to we keep trying to keep it together and he's telling you, you know what? I wanted to rape, I wanted to burn. What's your problem? So nothing catches him off guard. And you might be shocked at what you discovered, but he isn't. You might be um disturbed and flabbergasted so much it hurts. Nothing catches God off guard not even death I usually say death is a very very rude visitor it doesn't tell you when it's coming but the truth is nothing catches God by surprise this means your skin color your height your gender your race your nativity your nationality your ethnicity your single state right now your marriage state is on purpose even listening to me right now under the sound of my voice is on purpose nothing happens by a cosmic collision god is a god of intentionality and you do not set deadlines for god and also the fact like I've said that already that you're listening to me right now is in purpose. And why is it that as soon as you get tested, yeah, your faith goes out in the face of adversity, in the face of the wind of adversity, which happens to a lot of us. Your fire goes out, your passion goes out the window, your, the, your devotion, your loyalty, your faith, your commitment goes out. If God does not meet your deadline, Will your fire still burn? And that's a question I have to throw out to anyone listening to me today. If God does not listen, if God does not meet with your deadline, will you still serve him? Will your fire still burn? And do you know that 90% of the will of God is timing, but human beings are always in a hurry. And one thing about timing and waiting on God is you can, and not waiting on God is, you can do the right thing at the wrong time and have it explode right in your face. And that's the truth because you can be with the right person at the wrong time and nothing will make sense. In fact, at some point you'll be thinking, I married the wrong person. And that's why I'll, I usually tell people that God is a very slow chef. He takes his time to cook. The devil is the fast one. I mean, he uses the fast technology to cook so that, you know, he could serve anyone who wants to be served, you know. And if you're always in a hurry, you will miss God. I'll say that again. If you're always in a hurry, you will miss God. Because a surrendered life cannot miss God's will for them. A person who is surrendered to God cannot miss God's will for them. Patience 
is a virtue. Patience is dealing with the not yet seasons of people, especially the not yet seasons of God. Patience is a virtue needed for every believer, every Christian. I don't even think it's just for Christians alone, for everyone. Have they, done, have, have they been able to pick up the grocery? Not yet. Are the kids better? Not yet. Is my husband doing this better? Not yet. Patience is the ability to be able to survive the not yet season to people. But most importantly, the not yet of God. Lord, I want this. I want this car. I want this husband. Not yet. Because sometimes God won't give you something when he knows that you've not, um, you've not detoxed from certain things in your life. And because he knows that you've not detoxed, there's no way you can upgrade. So I really hope I've been able to help someone out there. This is still your homegirl saying a wonderful bye.